Good morning. May I take us please to the book of Romans. We have set some goals for 2020. Our meeting later this month will set the tone for those goals. It's all about glorifying God. And that means living in such a way that it's clear. We not only believe in God, we seek to honor Him, to glorify Him, to exalt Him in everything that we do. When these goals were first announced a few weeks ago, we cited 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, we all know this. Sin does not glorify God. That's basic and simple. Sin does not glorify God. And you will discover in the book of Romans in chapter 3 and verse 23, Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mark that phrase, fall short of the glory of God. And that makes the point that when we sin, we fall short, we fail to glorify God. Now, please go with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I want us to approach this passage through one question. One question we're going to use in our approach to Romans chapter 6. What does Romans chapter 6 say about sin? This is addressed to Christians. It is from God through Paul to Christians in Rome. It is about consistently avoiding sin. What does this say about sin? I'm going to ask you to listen, please. I'm reading from the sixth chapter of Romans. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. 
We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its lust. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. It has been said that the Apostle Paul's writing, his arguments, <coughs> and his structure <coughs> is sometimes hard to follow. Unfortunately, I was told a long time ago, before I did my own in-depth study of Romans, that this is a hard epistle to understand. If it is hard to you, there are two simple steps every Bible reader and Bible student can take to reduce the difficulty of Romans and understand what it means. One, read it. Read it through, read it again, Without consulting commentaries or anything, just read it. And number two, study it with focus on context. Keep it all connected as you read and study. Here in Romans 6, there is a subject brought up in the latter part of chapter 5 that leads you right into chapter 6. I want us to make that connection before I make my points in the sermon. I want you to look with me at the end of Romans chapter 5, because that leads in to chapter 6. In Romans 5, I want to start at verse 12 and read through verse 21, the latter part of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not accounted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. 
For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's <clears throat> disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's a summary of that. Adam sinned, bringing death into the world. Then everybody after Adam sinned. At the end of verse 12, all sinned, Paul said. The law of Moses was established for the Jewish nation, yet sin continued. But right in the middle of all this about sin, there is the good news of a free gift. In verses 15, 16, and 17, the free gift from a gracious God is that sinners can be saved through Jesus Christ. Now listen, please. The grace of God is simply God offering to do something for sinners that sinners could never do for themselves. Forgiveness of sin. Sinners cannot turn their lives around and live right and go to heaven without God's forgiveness. And God offers that forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That free gift is personally received, according to Romans 6, by being baptized into Christ. This declaration about the grace of God at the end of chapter 5 leads into chapter 6. So now we have context and we're ready for our question. What does Romans 6 say about sin to Christians, to us who have obeyed the gospel? What does it say about sin? Number one, it says grace doesn't permit it. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Grace is about God offering to forgive sinners, though sinners don't deserve such consideration and could never earn it. The gift is received by being baptized into Christ. Now, does that mean after I'm baptized, because of the abundance of grace, I can just continue to sin? Paul says, no. God forbid. Grace doesn't permit, excuse, or encourage sin. And I'll tell you this, if I start reasoning from God's grace, 
to my sin, to excuse it or permit it, my reasoning is way off base. God's grace doesn't mean you can continue to sin. It means you can stop and not live in it anymore. That's Romans 6. There is in the modern religious world an emphasis or a twist, a spin that is put on grace that minimizes sin, that takes it lightly, that is permissive. Paul says no to that kind of thinking. The grace of God was never intended to send a message to anybody that you can relax about sin. You can continue in sin. Paul says no. Later in the New Testament, that same error is addressed again in the little book of Jude in verse 4. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. They were twisting, they were perverting, they were turning the grace of God into permission to continue in sin. Paul captures the error of it in one little word. No. Grace doesn't permit sin. Grace means you can stop you can embrace what Jesus did on the cross. You can be forgiven, and then you cannot live in it anymore. That's possible because of the death of Christ that we embrace when we're baptized into the death of Christ. Grace never takes us into sin, always away from it. What does Romans 6 say about sin? Paul wants Christians to know the old self was crucified. The old self was crucified. Isn't it clear, as you read through Romans, especially when you get into chapter 5 and chapter 6, we are not saved so that we can continue to sin. We trust and obey Christ. We are led by that trust to repent and be baptized, confessing our faith, to leave the old life of sin, to witness in reality and in practice the death of the old sinful self. If after baptism you repeat the old sins that you were guilty of, yes, you can repent and be forgiven. That's 1 John 1, 7 over through 1 John 2, verse 1. But your steadfast intention every day after you arise from the waters of baptism is to walk in newness of life. To be done with the sins that took you so far away from God. If I fall back into sin and take it lightly, if I drift back into the old habits of sin and mark it off as some sort of a twisted concept of grace... I set myself up for complete departure from God and the eternal consequences of apostasy. This section of Romans argues the strongest arguments against resurrecting the old man of sin. 
Let him be dead. Let her be dead. The old self was crucified, executed when I obeyed the gospel. Someone has said conversion is like a funeral and a marriage. Sin is buried. The penitent believer is married to Christ. Let me read to you something from the book of Colossians that goes directly to this. I'm in chapter 3 in Colossians. There's another part of chapter 3 I'm going to talk about tonight. But this is relevant to the old man or old woman of sin dying in baptism. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There it is plainly. Putting away what killed you, what is earthly and deadly, when you are buried with Christ in baptism. Paul, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to Christians about sin? Grace doesn't permit it. The old self was crucified. And you have a new master. You have a new master. I'm back in Romans chapter 6. Listen to 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18 in Romans 6. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, being obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Verse 22, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Have you ever had this experience? You were employed. You worked for someone who just drove you crazy. Ruined your attitude. Tainted your performance. And you went home at the end of each workday totally frustrated. Dreading the next day at work. But then either you changed jobs or a new supervisor came in. And what a refreshing change. From the old boss, the old experience, to the new boss, the new experience. So you are now energized and your performance and your attitude is renewed and you find power and peace in this new situation. You don't entertain any idea of going back to that old boss. 
Paul is saying to Christians, you've got a new boss. You have a new master who cares for you deeply. Who promises great things for you. Who even removes the sting of death. Don't go back to the old boss. Connect your heart and your life every day to your new master. But now that you have been set free from sin, you are slaves of God. Here's what grace means. A new master who is eternally generous, compassionate, and takes you away from the ruin that the old master brought into your life. You remember our question when we started, what does Romans 6 say about sin to Christians? Is the book of Romans difficult now? Is this part of it hard? What does Romans 6 say about sin to Christians? God doesn't permit it. In conversion, the old self is crucified and you have a new master. Now apply that. If you are a Christian, your purpose is to glorify God while you're here on earth to prepare to glorify Him forever in heaven. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Psalms 115 verse 1. We are to credit God and the cross for our salvation. Then we are to embrace it through the obedience of faith. Understanding that according to Romans 3.23, sin falls short of the glory of God. Our meeting later this month, our meeting later this month will take off from this theme of glorifying God and put us and any who attend in good position to examine ourselves with respect to who God is as reflected in us and through us. To glorify God, one must have a clear and strong view of what the grace of God means. It doesn't mean you can get baptized and then drop back into sin. No. It means you can obey the gospel, be forgiven, and not live in sin any longer. You can arise from the waters of baptism to walk in newness of life, and that means a life that glorifies God. A life that, for those who have not obeyed the gospel, could begin today. Or should there be some other need, we invite you to come as we stand together to sing.